Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. You know, I just took a look at the latest USDA crop progress numbers for cotton, and the only thing going through my mind right now is the old rawhide theme song, because there's no doubt about it, those planters are really rolling, rolling, rolling in a big way from coast to coast. And we're going to talk about those numbers and more in just a few minutes. I'm Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower, and I'm apparently showing my age today with that reference. And as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower Editor Frank Giles. Frank, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jim. I think the only thing that would have made that better is I sang that a little bit more, had a little background music. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to hear that. <laughs> Not at all. Yep, it's been interesting to watch that planning progress move up. I think Right now we're in between that time of some places are dusty and some places are muddy. So, uh, and a lot of places are hot. So that's certainly the case, clay case down here in Florida. And going to, and going to get hotter, yes. Well, as we just mentioned, growers have been making a, a pretty heroic effort to get this year's cotton crop in and, and certainly made up a lot of ground in the past week, thanks to some nice breaks in some places from mother nature. Uh, but yet in other areas, she's probably not as popular today as she has been in, in past weeks. So in this episode, we're kind of bringing you our version of spanning the belt uh, with a panel discussion on how the season's going to date in parts of the Southeast, Mid-South, and Southwest. And joining us in the Virtual Cotton Companion studio today are three of the newest Extension Cotton Specialists, Camp Hand in Georgia, Brian Piralisi in Mississippi, and Ben McKnight out in Texas, uh, we're counting on to bring us up to speed on some of the challenges and bright spots so far in this early part of the 2021 season. We hope you'll stay tuned for that discussion. It's coming up here in this, the 96th episode of the Cotton Companion. But first, here's Frank with a quick look at some recent news from across the cotton belt. Thanks, Jim. You, you, you mentioned that the cotton planters are rolling and the May 24th USDA crop progress reports kind of reflects that. 49% uh, of the U.S. cotton crop has now been planted. That's an 11% jump in the past week, belt-wide. But some of the individual state numbers are particularly impressive. Alabama is 68% planted. That's up 26%. Arkansas also up 26% from 45 to 71%. Georgia is now at 61% planted, up 24%. Mississippi is 67% planted, up 18% in the past week. Missouri up 20% to 85% planted. North Carolina up 22% to 63% planted. And South Carolina is now at 73%. Virginia 65% planted. And Tennessee up a whopping 46% in the past week from 24% to 70%. So they were rolling there in your neck of the woods, Jim. They were. I could, you could almost hear them out my window. <laughs> in all, every cotton-producing state showed an increase. Even Arizona and California, where planting is now more than 90% complete. Other states, Kansas and Oklahoma, that are really just getting started, and even Louisiana, which has been battling those torrential rains during the past week. Yet in spite of all this, all this progress, most states are still a little bit behind the five-year average for this date. While six states are running anywhere from 2% to 18% above average. We'll get into some of these numbers a bit more with our guests here in a few minutes. 
One other quick item, AMVAC Chemical Corporation is acquiring the end-use product registrations and trademark for Invoke herbicide in the United States from Syngenta Crop Protection. Invoke is a group two post-emerge herbicide for use in cotton, sugarcane, and transplanted tomatoes for control of certain broadleaf weeds, sedges, and grass weeds. Syngenta and AMVAC will be working together over the next several months until the U.S. Uh, registration has officially transferred to help ensure a smooth uh, customer service transition. Financial terms, transaction which becomes effective July 1st were not disclosed. Sounds good. Thanks, Frank. So now let's talk about what's happening at the field level across much of the Cotton Belt. Joining us in our virtual studio today is Camp Hand, He's Georgia Extension Cotton Specialist, Brian Pierlisi, who's Mississippi Extension Cotton Specialist, and Ben McKnight, Texas Extension Cotton Specialist. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today, and welcome to the Cotton Companion. Now, I know that uh, all of you have kind of moved into these positions rather recently, or certainly within the past year. Uh, give us, uh, take a little bit of, uh, of time here, give us a little bit of background about yourself and kind of what it's been like starting a job like this in a, in a pandemic. Uh, Brian, I'll let, you, I'll let you start. Well, yeah, I'm uh, Brian Perilisi. Uh, I'm native to Mississippi. Uh, have somewhat of an unconventional background. I went to Mississippi State as an undergrad and went to our family farm and did that for a couple of years. And I went to graduate school in two different sessions. Uh, I earned a master's in of business administration at Delta State while I was farming and uh, continued to do that through 2015 and uh, had an opportunity to go back to graduate school to earn a PhD and under Dr. Bobby Golden at VREC in Stoneville. So did that and then transitioned into this job pretty much to the, I think I was here for two weeks and then uh, we were kind of sent back home with the pandemic. So. They were both new to me, so I really don't know anything any different other than a pandemic is new to me as well as the cotton specialist position. So nothing to really compare it to. Ben, what about you? I'm Ben McKnight uh, with uh, Texas A&M Extension Service. Uh, I'm originally from East Texas, a little small town called Leverett's Chapel and um, attended Texas A&M uh, for undergrad and, and then rolled into a master's program working under Dr. Scott Sensman. Um, finished that up and headed down to uh, LSU, uh, Baton Rouge, and, and worked under Dr. Eric Webster um, for, uh, for my PhD. And um, I was down in Louisiana for about eight years, uh, finished up my PhD and rolled over into a, a postdoctoral researcher position. And then uh, I started in this position here in Texas uh, back uh, last year on April the 1st, just as things were, were starting to shut down. And and uh, kind of like what, what Brian was saying, I, I really don't know uh, what, to, uh, what to expect out of this position thus far, just because, you know, it started right, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic. But, uh, you know, things are starting to look up around here. We have uh, a lot more in-person meetings scheduled for this year. So I'm really looking forward to, to getting out and uh, meeting our stakeholders and, and our growers. That's good. Camp, you're the newest member of the, uh, of the team, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My name is Campan uh, here at UGA in Tifton. I started on uh, February 1st. So, I mean, kind of in the in the middle of it all. You know, it's funny hearing these guys talk about, you know, they they got started just as it was beginning. 
and I was kind of starting to finish up my PhD as things were kind of heating up with the pandemic and I was freaking out. I was like, holy cow, there's not going to be any jobs open. I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, but luckily this job came open. It's exactly what I wanted to do. And so I applied for it and everything worked out. Um, I got my bachelor's and master's at Auburn in horticulture and then decided to come over here to Tifton and study under Dr. Stanley Culpepper, an extension weed scientist here. Uh, and work on cotton vegetables and small grains, and then uh, just transitioned into this position on uh, February 1st, and it's been good to kind of get my feet wet, you know, while the, you know, things are kind of slow, we're not doing county meetings and all, but, um, you know, it's been less than ideal in terms of meeting people and kind of getting feet on the ground and stuff like that. Well, I guess, I guess the best thing to say in all this is you all have the opportunity to reinvent the position, uh, you know, and, and, and put anything in place that your predecessors uh, may have had or, or may not have had and, uh, and, and, and look to, uh, to improve and, and, and increase the value of the position. Let's put it that way. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the season so far. Now that, we're, uh, now that we're kind of planting is upon us, I was looking at the USDA report, crop progress report yesterday. And uh, man, it looks like the last week or so has been pretty darn busy everywhere. Uh, particularly in, in the Mid-South and Southeast. Uh, Camp, give us an idea. How's, how's the things going so far in, in Georgia? Uh, you know, where do we stand with planting? Uh, where do we stand with moisture? Any other early season issues? Yeah, so uh, it's been a challenging year so far, I would say. There, there are some guys that really like to get their cotton in early, um, you know, starting at the end of April. And a lot of those guys were kind of set back because much of the state got six to seven inches of rain around that time. So whatever intentions there were to plant at the end of April, those got halted um, because we had to rebed fields and pull out box blades and all that kind of stuff. Then we've had a couple cool snaps and then a little more rain. And so finally, it felt like last week we were really able to get going. And if we had had this conversation a week ago, then I would have said, man, we're behind, like we are behind. But our guys have just put the coals to it. You know, they've been getting after it this past week. Um, the, the bad news is, is that we are running out of moisture very fast. And the places that we um, aren't out yet, well, it'll be gone in the next couple of days. We're looking at some uh, really hot, dry weather over the next couple weeks. Um, I, I don't think it's quite time to push the panic button just yet in terms of just putting seed in the ground. But, um, you know, that's just another hurdle that our guys are having to face right now. I think a lot of guys have kind of put their planters away and they're waiting for this heat to kind of go away so that we don't have a repeat of May 2019. Uh, but, you know, maybe they're going to get back after it kind of closer to the end of the week and into next week. Ben, I'm going to, I want to jump over to you because you, you obviously have the, the earliest cotton crop uh, going, but you've also in the last, last week looked like you've also had the most rain anybody's had. Uh, where do things stand over there with, with your parts of Texas and then maybe just a peek up into the high plains? Yeah, Jim, that's right. Uh, we traditionally have some of the earliest planted cotton down in the, the lower Rio Grande Valley, which is on the southern tip of, of Texas along the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, generally, we see cotton planted as early as the middle to late part of February uh, down there in that, in that geography. Um, 
the, the lower Rio Grande Valley and the coastal bend, which is the area just north of there, kind of in that Corpus Christi area, they got off to a really, really dry start. Um, but going back to February, we had historic cold temperatures with that, uh, that winter storm. Uh, and so that really held off planting until uh, around usually uh, the, the first of March is when folks in the coastal bend will start planting. And, and we saw that down in the lower Rio Grande Valley because of those, those historic cold temperatures that occurred when they would traditionally start planting. Uh, in both of those areas, it was a really, really dry start. Uh, but there's been a lot of uh, abundant rainfall here recently. Uh, and that started about the, the early to middle part of May, and that's really improved conditions in those areas. Might have come a little bit too late for the lower Rio Grande Valley. Uh, I heard just the other day that around 25,000 of the uh, roughly 180,000 acres in that part of the state have been disastered out because of drought conditions. So um, it just, you know, the rain turned on at the, at the wrong time. So, um, you know, these areas are really kind of shaping up very similar to the way they did last year. Uh, they got off to a dry start last year, but uh, abundant rainfall um, fell at, at a very timely fashion. And uh, a lot of uh, a lot of three-bell cotton was a result of that in the coastal bend area. Um, the, you know, last year um, down in the lower Rio Grande Valley, the crop was looking great. And then Hurricane Hannah came in and, and just wiped it out. So uh, folks down there have had a, had a challenging uh, 2020 and now it looks like an even more challenging 2021. Um, if, as you move up the, the upper Gulf Coast area, that area kind of west of Houston down to Victoria, uh, planting happened rather quickly in that area, but we had some unseasonably low temperatures. Uh, lows got down to the 40s for about three or four nights in a row, and that really slowed down emergence. Um, I've, I've been hearing reports of emergence issues all across that geography. Um, but yeah, the rainfalls really turned on in the upper Gulf Coast. I was speaking with a county agent yesterday, and and he said that in his county, uh, from January 1st to May 24th, 22 inches of rain have fell, with 15 inches of that occurring in the past 30 days. Just to put into perspective how wet it's been around here lately. Uh, where I'm at here in College Station, uh, down to Brazos Bottom and moving kind of northwest of here into the Black Lamp Prairie area, uh, the cotton was pretty uh, uh, slowed down from some of the cool temperatures uh, after some of the earlier plantings. Uh, Again, we've been receiving a lot of rainfall in this area and, and also in the Blackland Prairie. Um, in fact, we had some soil crusting issues uh, after we planted down here in the bottom uh, from, from some just some untimely rainfall. Um, Central Texas and the Rolling Plains, uh, they've been getting some good rainfall and hopefully that'll uh, help you know those folks get off to a good start if they haven't already got started. Uh, their insurance deadline is uh, June 20th in the Rolling Plains. So those folks still have a little bit of time uh, to go, but uh, up in the high plains around uh, Lubbock in that area, it was very dry last year and it looked like 2021 was going to be like that. They've had some rainfall here lately and, and conditions have kind of started to improve in that area, but uh, the issue now is all the rain's falling and they have a June 5th deadline, so they're, <laughs> they're kind of in a bind with trying to get the crop in the ground, but uh, uh, as we're, uh, you know, where we're at right now, uh, May the 25th, about 40% of the crops been planted statewide here in Texas uh, compared to last year, uh, which uh, this time last year was 50%. So we're about 10% behind schedule, um, but uh, about 5% of the crop so far is uh, at the squaring stage or, or a little bit past that. But uh, just overall, we, we have a little bit of a ways to go uh, regarding acreage uh, statewide. Sounds good. Brian? I think uh, looking at the at the USDA numbers, the Mid-South made the biggest jumps in planting last week, and it was about time, right? Oh, yeah. 
it's about time and you're you're correct on that um i think we're ahead of any report that you see at this point whereas i think you we were behind those reports a week and a half two weeks ago um i could basically just echo what camp was saying as far as weather conditions um we had a two windows that were during our i'd say optimal uh window and one of them was uh it was the end of April and then around the 10th of May. And I'm talking two day windows at best. And, uh, we, and we made very little progress statewide. There's a lot of concern as far as, you know, calendar date and, you know, if we get pushed later and later in May just to get started, are we gonna, you know, beat our insurance deadlines and things of that nature. But when it turned dry, I think we were at 35 to 49% by, May 15th and then uh in the past week I'd say that we're probably 75 to 80% planted statewide and the delta region I would say 90 to pretty much 100% right now and then in the the hill region they'll probably they're probably 75% and by in the next 2 or 3 days they might as well say they're done and the, we had some, one more thing we had this same thing with the cool nights so some of that first cotton that we planted uh it emerged and just sat there for two weeks. And I mean, it's just now starting to grow. Sounds good. What kind of questions are you are you getting now that growers are are, are starting to put the planters away and, and, and taking a look at everything else? I've been getting a lot of calls about thrips and um, issues with that, products to use. Um, I had a call yesterday about um, acetate treated seeds and they had um, a pretty high population of thrips on it. Um, and a lot of that had to do with, we also have had some calls, uh, regarding applying pre-herbicides with the dry weather in the forecast. And so that's another issue trying to, um, not apply certain herbicides, have a lot invested in it if it's going to sit there for two to three weeks, possibly. But hopefully we'll get a rain here. They're talking about some scattered showers towards the end of the week. Okay, Camp, what are, you, what are you hearing from growers right now? Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of the same things that Brian talked about. I'm getting some questions on uh, tank mix partners like orthene and then uh, some of your herbicides, and especially as it pertains to this uh, hot weather we've got and how that could impact uh, cotton growth early in the season. Um, I'm, I'm also still getting a couple questions about varieties and things like that, but then also getting a couple replant. Uh, questions as well. I've been called out on a couple of those so far. Um, and then I, I would say the biggest one right now is just how to handle uh, this week. I mean, we're looking at record highs for, um, you know, this week and soil temperatures are going to be extremely high. So for the stuff that was planted at the end of last week, like how do we kind of push it along and then do we need to plant or do we need to wait kind of thing? And um, how to handle those type situations as well. So those are the things that I'm kind of hearing right now. Okay. Ben, what about that that southern southern and coastal parts of the state? What are what are you what are kind of questions are you getting right now? Other than how can we dry our fields out? <laughs> well, that's that's actually one of the big questions I'm getting. Uh, uh, in fact, you know, how long can cotton handle flooded or extremely saturated conditions? And and uh, what I've been telling folks is, you know, cotton's fairly resilient uh, as long as uh, conditions improve within about seven days. I think cotton can handle it all right. Um, you know, that plant's just kind of been sitting there idle and not growing very much. Root growth has stopped. There's been a reduction in photosynthesis. And, 
and uh, plant hormone synthesis. So there's probably going to be a little bit of a lag phase in that plant gets back to growing. Um, and another thing I'm, I'm trying to remind folks is that under anaerobic conditions, that can oftentimes lead to, to nitrogen loss. So just reminding folks, you know, we're going to have to keep that on the radar and you might have to, to go back a little later and, and supplement with some additional nitrogen inputs. And then the other question I'm getting is, is how, how early is too early for PGR application? You know, you, a lot of folks are anticipating that uh, that plant's just going to take off with all of the moisture, but uh, just trying to remind folks, you know, be active in scouting and keep an eye on it. Uh, just don't don't blindly uh, go out and, and hit it with some PGRs, you know, put some eyes on it and, and just watch and see how that, that plant responds and, and how rapid the growth rate is uh, after it recovers from those flooded or saturated conditions. Good deal. And, th and this kind of ties back and dovetails into what you guys were just talking about, but you know, given the fact that the crops in the ground, what's the next big thing that you're telling your growers in your area to be uh, mindful of and, and ready to act upon? Uh, you know, what I'm trying to tell folks is, is to remain active in scouting and continue that throughout the season. Uh, you know, the one thing a grower can't over apply to his field is a shadow. So, uh, you know, I'm just reminding folks to, to think ahead a month or two. Uh, into the growing season, you know, start to think about what are some of the historical issues that a particular field may have or or what what might be a potential uh, mid-season obstacle given the challenges that we've seen early on this year. Uh, you know, to start thinking ahead and, and trying to formulate a, a, a management plan, um, you know, going in, going into the uh, middle part of the season. Good deal. Camp? Yeah, I think uh, for me, the advice that I'm giving folks, like, like I said, some of the questions I'm getting pertain to uh, tank mixtures, especially for thrips control and early season weed control. So, um, you know, just stressing timeliness with uh, those kinds of calls and then looking at the weather and trying to determine, okay, is now the best time to try to control our weeds? Are they actively growing? Things like that. And then also trying to remain timely on our thrip sprays as well without causing too much damage to that young cotton because we don't really have any rain in sight. And so we just don't want to, we're walking a fine line there. And so just trying to be timely with both of those, but do them in the right way. Yeah, I've been, uh, my advice has been the same. Uh, another way of saying it's just avoid any delays in maturity, whether it be from herbicides, you know, there's a trade off there and uh, being very timely with your nitrogen applications. And also we're planting a lot of, uh, Free gene cotton and a lot of these are newer varieties there's not a whole lot of experience with them so from a PGR standpoint just try to be as familiar with the growth habit and what what these varieties are capable of just so you can be ready to properly apply these PGRs you know if we do get into a situation where this this cotton really starts growing fast well, you mentioned the three gene cotton and, and obviously there's a lot more of that going out uh, available to growers this year uh, let's look at some of your testing programs because I'm sure this, you know, they're going to dominate what you uh, what you put in touch you're looking at this year. Uh, rough idea. How many how many plots, how many test plots are you thinking about for this year? Anything special you're looking looking for or looking at any new technologies, things like that? Yeah, well, we're you know, obviously we do the um, official small plot variety trial for Mississippi State and we have eight to nine locations. We're not completely finished planting those. And uh, most of these are your newer varieties. There's still some two gene cotton in there, but for the most part it's three gene cotton. Also, we do some own farm demonstrations. We have, we'll have 15 to 17 of those 
Uh, we're still currently planting them. We, we'll have 15 in the ground today. And uh, we still have the one, there's one two gene variety in there and the rest are three. And then as far as our, our program, you know, most of that is with newer, will all be newer varieties, three gene cotton. And we have, you know, we all, we do different, everything from weed science to irrigation management uh, for soil fertility, um, nematode, all, uh, you know, just a variety of different type trials we do, probably in the neighborhood of 75 trials, total counting everything. Okay, Cam, what's what you got planned for Georgia? Yeah, so uh, we're continuing the on-farm variety trial program. Uh, our county agents have done a great job with that in the past, and I'm looking forward to working with them on that in the future. Um, but we sent out enough seed for roughly 25 locations on that across the cotton producing regions of Georgia. And so those are um, currently going in the ground and we've got a few in the ground already. So that's that's been really good. Um, I've got some stuff here around Tifton and then also on our stations in Midville and Plains. Um, so, I mean, we're looking in the neighborhood of about 50 trials or so total. But, um, you know, anywhere from PGRs and different bridal responses to um, defoliation and timing and then fiber quality and uh, some issues like that. So um, an, another big thing that we're looking at, too, we're, we're getting a ton of questions about this wide row stuff. I mean, everybody wants to cut down on their on their seed cost and. Um, you know, that's one way to do it. And so we're, we've got a test in looking at that as well. So we're, we're kind of all over the board as well. I'm guessing that you, you'd be looking, looking to uh, match the right variety for that type of row spacing, right? Yeah, we're right now, we're just in the first phase of, hey, let's see if we can make it work. You know, let's see if we can, you know, still make money doing it. And then I think if, if we find out that we can make money doing it, Let's move down the road of, hey, what varieties work best? What type of plant architecture is going to be the best fit for this? And then move into managing those varieties and different issues like that. And what about uh, about Texas? And I know it's it's not just you setting up these plots, but you've also got some uh, some other other specialists in other parts of the state that I'm guessing you guys are all working together on this. Yeah, that's right, Jim. Uh, my program here in College Station, we oversee about 14 uh, large plot on farm. Uh, repl replicated variety evaluations. And we call these the RACE trials. RACE is an acronym that stands for Replicated Agronomic Cotton Evaluation. And uh, Like I said, here in College Station, we oversee about 14 of these and some of the regions that I cover, the upper Gulf Coast, Central and East Texas, and then a, a region southwest of San Antonio called the Winter Garden. Uh, and, and yeah, this is in addition to uh, several more RACE trials that are conducted across the state by my extension agronomist colleagues from the lower Rio Grande Valley through the coastal bend over to San Angelo up through Lubbock and Amarillo and in the rolling plains. So this is a, a pretty widespread uh, variety evaluation effort across the state. And uh, so we're, we're real active in, in variety evaluation. And um, some of the other things uh, that we're, we're very heavily invested in here in College Station are, are looking at uh, evaluating new and emerging technologies. And these can include uh, experimental or pre-commercial traits, insect traits, herbicide traits, things of that nature, uh, in addition to fertility products and, and other crop protection materials. And we have around 30 or so trials just evaluating new and emerging technologies this year. Sounds good. Sounds good. And I know Camp mentioned the, the row spacing issue. Any other 
any other type of research studies that you're involved in with some of your other colleagues uh, within the within the AgriLife system? Uh, yeah, we're uh, we're looking at uh, a number of different things. Um, we're looking at um, just kind of doing some some variety by PGR type work uh, in addition to uh, harvest aid uh, programs. We get a lot of questions here as we get close to, to harvesting time regarding um, you know, what type of, of harvest aid programs are working uh, in a specific geography on what varieties. You know, it's the, the old saying is that uh, harvest aids are uh, more of an, an art than a science. So we're actively uh, looking at, at different harvest aid programs and trying to put a little bit more of that back in the, in the science area, not so much in the art area. Ryan, anything else in Mississippi that, uh, I mean, you've got plenty of colleagues down there and I'm sure lots of studies going. Yeah, uh, we're doing some interesting stuff. Uh, I have uh, three new graduate students that are started between August and one just came on board here recently. And, and so we're doing, outside of what I mentioned earlier, we're doing some uh, DD60 work uh, and trying to uh, determine insecticide determination, you know, to try to correlate that to a node, a little more user-friendly term, working on that with um, Angus, Dr. Angus Ketchot and excited about that, as well as we're doing a potassium uptake when the cover crop. So we're looking at some different cover crop blends and mixtures and, and as well as, like Camp said, we're doing something, a lot of interest with the uh, wide row. And I have another graduate student that's doing a wide row planting population study. And we're gonna take that to the fiber quality and, and, and gen it by position and try to see if we can put some dollar amounts to those positions. And uh, this the same uh, students also doing this an on farm precision planting type pop, uh, planting population across different soil textures and trying to see if there's any economic advantage to to that. And uh, I guess a little outside of my wheelhouse, we're going to do another trial with our we installed drain tile, and we're going to look at different uh, spacings of the drain tile look at irrigated versus non, and then, you know, look at some economics associated with installing drain tile. And we like to take that on farm in uh, 2022. So we got a lot going on. You do have a lot going on. And it sounds like, uh, you know, considering the uh, the constraints that, that everybody was working under last year, I'm sure this is sort of like, uh, you know, it's, it's time to get back to work, right? <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, this has been great. Uh, so with that, I think we're going to go ahead and uh, and end this uh, this timely and, and great discussion. Uh, Camp Brian and Ben, thank you all for taking time from your busy schedules to join us today. We uh, we certainly appreciate it, and and uh, we'll do this again soon whenever we get the opportunity. Yeah, good talking to y'all. Thank y'all. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. And once again, that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. As always, thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell all your farmer friends about this podcast. And here's how you can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion, or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe.
Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Just a quick plug for our Cotton Kids page that you'll find in every issue of Cotton Grower Magazine. Uh, quite honestly, we need some more photos as we head into planning for our late summer and fall issues. Uh, this industry is certainly blessed with beautiful children, and we thank all of you who have contributed photos over the years. To find out how to get your photos to us, just check the instructions on the Cotton Kids page in any issue of Cotton Grower. Cotton Companion Podcast comes to you twice monthly and is produced by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name's Jim Stedman. His name is Frank Giles. And we'll be back with you in two weeks with the latest episode of The Cotton Companion. Until then, stay safe and keep those planters rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farmer.